0: We're continuing where we left off, and it again is, uh, it's August 2nd, 2020, and we're continuing with the thought of the week and prayer.
1: Thought of the week. For it is by grace, you have to saved through faith, and it's not from yourself, it is a gift of God, taken from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Grace is God's way. The more you know about grace, the more you know about the heart of God. Obviously, love is at the core of God's heart and motive, motive, everything he does. Therefore, grace is an expression of his love. There is that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet that sound. It is certainly amazing However, it is only amazing related to your understanding of it. The more you know about grace, the more amazed you will be. We have to move past the narrow thinking from Adam and begin to see God. What should be most important in this universe which is supported and sustained by God is God's way. We are deceived if we, if we think our way is most important. The world has gone very wrong well when we think of independence from God who sustains our next breath. We are dealing with God who determines that there will be a next moment. We can see why the Bible says that God is long-suffering or that he is patient. When and if we finally come around to God's way, we rejoice and know of the glorious truth. However, remember God was there all the time, waiting, pursuing, and withholding judgment. His only motive is the very best for us. Even while we live in ignorance, darkness and rejection of him are only thoughts for selfish. Just like the two-year-old child who snatches a toy and shall be declared, I am absolutely thinking, thanking for his patience with me. Hopefully, I have learned something from this experience. I hope I have learned a lesson to always consider God. the thought of the week. But fact that we know that God is is. His mercy, his love, and everything that he has dealing with grace give everybody a chance to believe in his son who sacrificed everything he had for us. So, this is all in God's plan. So, we see that this verse is, this is God's way, his only purpose to save fallen men and to bring us back to the point of what he desired for us to do. And what to do believe in his son. So he can have a fellowship and he can have a relationship with us. So this law take us from um, God's grace. given from us in Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9. A lot of people may say they hear the verse, but do they actually believe it, that's something that God will have to look down on each person's soul to determine whether or not if they're saved or not. So I'm going to read the thought of the week this thing from Ephesians 289. So we have now Dwight to give us thoughts and prayer for those. Okay, Dwight.
2: Thank you very much, Dave. I really appreciate that. And I will be offering prayer on behalf of Word sort of Peace Church and the Universal Church, extended like family. Are there any specific requests that you'd like to have added?
1: you yeah, to have one for the people that just dealing with these hurricanes in the south. Um and, and Florida east. Maybe some comfort also with him. So mm-hmm. I know under these everything going on with this pandemic that they would have peace with it also. Okay. Thanks for bringing
2: that up. All right, let's bow our heads in prayer. Um, dear Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege to be able to come to you and share the the word that you have for us to reveal so much about your deep thoughts. And we ask that you would give us, uh, open the eyes of our hearts so that we can truly understand the unsearchable riches and the inheritance that we have in Christ. I pray for um, all word of Truth church, those on the call and those affiliated with the church, that we may be blessed um, with every spiritual blessing and realize that uh, we have that blessing in Christ. And um, let us focus our attention and, and give our volition to um, your word which is the truth and we also pray for the church universal around the world where there may be believers um, having Having the same word shared among them and we ask that all people would, be, would desire to uh, be eager to maintain the uh, unity of the spirit and God of peace um, We also pray for the, the, um, the people the safety of of us, knowing that there are so many natural disasters around the world, that uh, people are suffering from uh, storms and the pandemic and even fires out west. Um, We pray for everyone's safety because we know that your desire is that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Thank you for the privilege for us to be able to participate in your plan, and bless this call and and the words of Pastor President, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Dwight and Dave. And we're going to continue where we left off last week. Um, hopefully you have some notes before you and you can follow along with me. And let's see. We are looking at John fourteen twenty eight today. <clears throat> it says, You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you'll be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I." So in your notes it is true that we often settle for crumbs when we could have had the whole cake. God is up to something special and we often fail to catch on because we are always so short-sighted. We must be something special and we often Oh, I'm sorry. We must be careful. I'm rereading the sentence. We must be careful not to allow our emotions to make decisions for us that should be made from our intellect and reasoning. We must always remember that if God is for us, who can be against us? If there is adversity in our lives, we cannot panic and think the sky is falling. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, unquote. We must stabilize our thinking by reviewing the glorious plan for us with its boundless wealth invested in Christ. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. First John 3.2 So, we're looking at this verse, and as I said, we are nearing the end of John chapter 14. But uh, we're going to try to get through this verse today. I don't know if we will. We'll see what happens. First phrase, you heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. So for my first thought is, yes, Lord, that is in the context, two times. So we want to look at the two times where it is in the context, because one thought could be, what is he talking about here? Is he talking about the rapture, which is in verses 1 through 3? Or is he talking about... uh, This coming where he comes through the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the first thought here. Jesus is going to the Father's house to prepare a place for them. Right, And them is the disciples. He's talking directly to. And in verse 2 he says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, No, this is verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, And take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. That's verse 3. And there are no conditions attached to this, and none are mentioned. So that's the first thought. Could he be talking about that? Or could he be talking about this? Uh, Second thought is introduction of the spirit of truth. The coming coming back of Jesus, not to the world, because we know that verse 22 where Judas asked the question are you how is it that you're going to come back and show yourself to us but not to the world so we know it's not the second coming or or even the rapture in this sense because uh he's talking about coming back and taking us somewhere right whereas this it just says he's going to come and he will show himself to us he will manifest himself to us and then he will be at home in us so the second thought is surrounding the relationship the dynamic relationship that Jesus had with the father that he was trying to explain to Philip and the other disciples which they were having trouble believing so he says, believe me when I tell you that the father is in me and I am in the father then later in 20 he says he says that you, this same thing on that day, you will know I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. So, the same relationship Jesus had with the Father is the same relationship that the Father and Jesus have with us. So, that verse 20 through 21 describes how we will know, we will realize, uh, you will know. You will realize that I am in the Father, you are in me, and I am in you. That's basically what he was trying to tell the disciples when he told them in verse 10 Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Right? So so there it is. So I would say it's the second option, which the second coming here, which is where he tells the disciples. So point B, this coming depends on the immediate context of the Holy Spirit coming and bringing back peace by teaching them all things relative to their new role. So if we look at right before verse 28 comes 26 and 27, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and he will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So here, it's comforting to know that Jesus would come back to them in this special way through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So uh, in point C, we get to that thought. So, in coming, Jesus says, and these are just some verses where uh, I'm picking out, where he says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And that's in verse uh, 18. Or, before long, verse, the beginning of verse 19, he says before long. In other words, it's not going to be a long time that this happens. And what is it that happens in 19? The world will not see me anymore you will see me, because I live, you also will live. And so it's not going to be long that, you know, this. the world's not going to see him anymore. So what is that? There's a reference to um, him leaving and being physically in the Father's house, preparing that place for us. The world won't see him anymore. But you will see me, he says, and because I live, you also will live. And then, um, then the verse 20, on that day. So, I won't leave you as orphans before long. And on that day, the only condition here that's left is loving Jesus, which we see quite uh, prevalent here in these chapter 14 verses. There's a lot because... There is that condition where if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will pray to the Father. He will give us another um, comforter, uh, even the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. And you, we already read those verses, I think, but that's the thought here. Right? Before long, on that day. So we're not talking about a long time. We're talking about something that's going to happen And we should say it, at Pentecost. The disciples would know. They would realize this truth. So, a lot to say. I mean, you have heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. What does he mean by that? He's talking about what he has just been talking about in the immediate context. Of him coming back through the ministry That is going to happen, the inauguration of the church age, the ministry of the Spirit. He will show himself to the disciples. So, uh, let's continue on in our notes. So, he says, you had heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you, if you loved me. So, this part of it is uh, about love. This is the condition we spoke of earlier, the only condition that is mentioned in uh, Jesus telling us that we will have the same relationship that he had with the Father. Obviously, it's with Jesus and the Father as an added bonus. (laughs) We have both Father and Jesus coming to live within us, and we will know it, he says. Well, when you say we, He's talking to the disciples, by extension, we, per John 17, 20. So, then it goes on to say, if you love me. So, love is a condition, is the condition given to demonstrate the proper motivation toward Jesus. And where do we get this? John 14, 15, which I just read. John 21, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. So it's more than just, okay, um, you know, I I can say I love you. But Jesus is saying more than that. He who has my commands and keeps them, right? There's, there's a relationship between the one who loves him and the one who is obedient to what Jesus is about or his commands, his teachings. His commands are the same as his teachings. What are his teachings that are so hard to understand? What the disciples were puzzled about. The father is in Christ. So show us the father. Well, we don't know the father. How can we know the father? Haven't I been with you this long and you st- you don't know me, Philip? So he, he makes sure they understood. Okay, so fifteen And then 23, we already know 23 talks about love as a condition given to demonstrate the proper motivation that these people would have to have, these disciples would have to have. Verse 23 says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them. Here's the result. We will come to them and make our home with them. That's the result of <clears throat> this. The res- By the way, the result of what happens in the earlier verses, Jesus will come and take us to be with him where he is. Where is he? He's at the Father's house. We will then be at that special place he has prepared in the Father's house and, or in heavenly places, whichever way we want to say it. But there is the result of one through three. But the result here. Is found in these verses of what was happening in 20 through 23. So just to be clear, there, um, there's that. And then there's a couple other verses in, in 28, the one we're in, where it talks about if you loved me, which is the verse we're on, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. Right? So Jesus is talking about he's going away, right? So you should be glad. Remember, they were upset at the fact that Jesus was leaving them and going to the Father's house. They were afraid, upset, worried, you know, that they had invested all this for nothing. And this Jesus is not even, I mean, really? You're leaving? And then in verse 31, Jesus says, he talks about love in terms of the same commitment. Uh, He says, come now. He says, but the world must learn I love the Father and do exactly as the Father has commanded so, his love for the Father compelled him to do exactly, or compelled, motivated him to do exactly what the Father has commanded me. And what if he said, I love the Father, but he didn't do what the Father commanded him? Then it would show us that really, he isn't. Love isn't there, right? The love that he claims is there is not there. So, a couple of things we want to cover. Or just go over love in detail again. And we did this back in March first. And I I took some notes from that study where we talked about love and what is it. And I I wanted to go over some of those ingredients that make up love. Love is not just a one-time shot. It is built with these things that we also, as we think about, are important when we think about love. Right? They're important in serving God. right? So for, let's look at some of these. First is trust. In order for us to learn from God, it requires humility or teachability. That's what humility is. And trust, which is faith. Faith, uh, Trust and faith go hand in hand. right? If we believe in God, that means we trust him. We trust that what he says is true. That's why we put our trust, we put our faith in God. So uh, in Him, so and then, um, like John fourteen one, where Jesus says, "You believe in God, believe also in Me." In Hebrews eleven six, it says, "Without faith, it is impossible to please Him." So we need that trust or faith. Right? Um, we need we need humility. Those are things we need that are a part of, or make up what is love. So it says, otherwise we would not believe him and we cannot get to love if we don't have those things. Point number two, understanding, right? We need understanding. So it takes some growing in grace or knowledge before we can choose to agree and love. So here, love is volitional. And we we can, it's a choice. Love is a choice. You don't have to love. Uh, salvation is not conditioned on love salvation is conditioned on faith if you believe you shall have eternal life you if you believe in him you will have life so it's not conditioned on love there's no scriptures that talk about if you love me you will be saved love is a mature understanding of and comes with knowledge and growing in grace And then, once we understand the plan, we can choose to like it. We can choose to love it. Point number three, agreement. Once we learn from God, we have to reason with Him to come to agreement. The gospel requires that we submit to hearing, understanding, and believing. Agreement is a part of faith, but an important step in love. When we say we agree with God, we may not understand the plan of God. So then we come to learn that plan and we start to see the wisdom and how perfectly orchestrated the plan is by God. How how carefully planned out and how marvelous the plan is. We start to wonder, wow, this is we can't even wow, that what God did when it comes to salvation and all of the plan of God, which is to bring many sons into glory. Wow, it's marvelous how He chose us in Him, so forth and so on. So once we come to understand it, then we can say we agree with it, we love it, you know, we we trust it, right? and and it. So we we have to hear it and believe it, but agreement is a part faith, we would assent to it. But we also of our own volition trust in it. It, We would want this for ourselves. It's not just okay, God said uh, I agree with it. No, it's a step in our stepping stone toward love. And then four, love. It's a choice to commit to another. Body, soul, and spirit. Uh, I like what it says in the Old Testament or even in the new tips, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. That's everything you have. And that's all of your motivation as well. Heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. That has to do with your motivation, your, your entire you, the, 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 the person that is about you, right? your persona, what you're about in this world. When you say, I love God, that means you're committed and devoted to something that you agree with, that you uh, love as well, that you're motivated toward. So when it's related to God, the commitment is to his will, purpose, and plan. That's what it's related to when we say we love God. We can't just say we love God like we love some other human being. When God shows up, God presents to us who he is through his purpose, his plan, his will. if we don't love God's purpose and plan, we don't love God. We used to say it like this a lot years ago. Your attitude toward the word of God is your attitude toward God. If you don't care about his word or what he says or none of that, And then you can't tell me you care about God when you don't care about what he said. All you care about is the concept of God or the idol of God that is in your mind. And you would rather invest him with whatever uh, properties or will, plans, purposes that you think are good for you, maybe. You don't love God objectively and say, yes, I love God for who he is, not for what I like him to be. I like i i I'd like for him to just support me in all of my endeavors and all of my dreams and ambitions now, love says i'm com- i'm committed to to that body soul and spirit so when we think about christ or, or god how when we see the example of Christ and how Christ fulfilled the purpose of his will right he that was part of it Hey, uh, John 14 15 says and if you love me you will it's a natural response you will keep my commands and and then uh, 24 says anyone who does not love me well what would be uh, how do we understand who that person is he will not obey my teaching so uh, I, I see in, in Matthew 15 those tough words to the Pharisees and why do you call me Lord? And don't do the things which I say. Right? So Jesus said, uh, many will say to me, uh, Lord, Lord, but they refuse to tr- to do what what Christ wants them, to, the will, the plan, the purpose. They reject that part, but they're happy to call him Lord. So there's a lot of scripture here related to that. Uh, we already said Jesus' response in 31, which is in the context, which says, I love the Father, and I do exactly what the Father. Christ had to fulfill the Father's plan, the Father's purpose for his life in the world. What if he chose, well, I love the Father, but I got my own plans. That wouldn't be loving the Father. So then Ephesians 3, 8 through 11, deals with, oh my, it's, god's eternal purpose being revealed right so loving god when god reveals his will plan and purpose we love it we we, that is if we're on board with it we we concur we agree with what god has said we learned about it We, we we trusted in god for salvation and now we come to learn that this is His will. Wow! And it involves bringing many sons into glory, the manifold wisdom of God. And we love it. Right? This. What if we said we hate it? Right? Well, no, we love His plan. Now, what about people who say they love God and all, but uh, they refuse to to get with or come to agree with God regarding this secret plan that was hidden in Christ, that he hid from angels, from man, until he revealed it in uh, the mystery. If people don't have anything, they don't care about it, then they don't know God's will, purpose, and plan. And then, you can't be ignorant. Right? Love comes with knowledge. You can't just say, well, I just love anyway, even if I don't know it doesn't matter love has is a choice to commit and the commitment has to do with understanding the facts knowing what it is we love and it is not just love it's just I'm I'm making the choice to love myself so and the point number five obedience without love is nothing so, 1 Corinthians 13, which people call the love chapter, right? So, this is, if I do all these things, but I have not love. If I do all these things, but I have not love, right? Love is patient. Love is kind, right? It, it is not self-seeking, you know, uh, arrogant, boastful, right? It is not all of those things. And so, so the first part of it talks about how it's important to have love. And if you have obedience and you do all these things, but you don't have love, it's nothing. You're just making a lot of noise, but it doesn't mean anything. I'm like a clanging gong or somebody banging on a cymbal, but it doesn't mean anything. So we already covered all this back, I said, on March in March. But I wanted to throw it out there again because Jesus is proposing, if you loved me in this verse. So point back to today's notes. Point B, uh, did the disciples love Jesus? This is current. Uh, did they love Jesus? Because he's they, throwing the question out. If you loved me, then you would be glad. Right? So did they really love Jesus? And I just wanted to throw Matthew 19, 27 through 30. And so if you could turn your Bibles there, Matthew 19, toward the end of the chapter. Now, there is a lot that went on prior to this. This is the rich young man who came up to Christ. And I, why don't I read it? I'll be quick about it. In verse 16, I'll start. Matthew 19:16. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, come. Follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Verse 25. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now here's where I wanted to key in on this thought. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you everything just imagine what Peter is realizing in this. He the sacrifice for Peter is saying everything, not some things. Every, Peter walked away from everything he he knew his whole life. So this is what he's saying in exasperation. we have left everything. <laughs> what then? Will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve tr- thrones, judging the twelve tribes, and everyone who has left houses, or brother, or sisters, or father, or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first and I felt I felt like I wanted to read that whole thing and I wanted to show that yes I would say in answer to the question I posed Did Jesus, or did the disciples love Jesus? And I would say the answer has to be yes, they did. They did love Jesus. Not that they couldn't question, or they didn't understand, or any of that, but did they love him? Yes. And I could even go as far as to say, many people today, when they believe in Christ, that doesn't mean you've left all the houses and all that, but when Jesus told them to follow me, and just notice here, this rich young man, this rich young ruler, as uh, some others have said, who walked up to him, Jesus gave him an, an invitation to follow him, and he refused. Now, he, he would have had to walk away from everything that he had, but then, he says, then come follow me wow i mean when when the those men who had lost their minds and they were doing all those things cutting themselves and all this stuff when jesus when they came back to their right minds uh, they were just so humbled at the feet of jesus and they said can we follow you can can can? I just want to be with you. I just want to be in your presence. I want to follow you. And Jesus told them, no, go back to where you, you lived. You're going to have a better witness because people knew who you were when you were crazy, when you had lost your minds. And now those people will get to see you in your right mind and that you are following me in your heart. What a witness Jesus says no you stay here this will be a better but here this man was given an invitation to follow Jesus and he walked away and it says the young man heard this when he heard this he went away sad because he had great wealth he couldn't walk away now he wasn't he was saying follow me that's being a disciple Wow, I wonder, we would have had all the disciples and whatever this man's name was, the rich young ruler, but he he chose to walk away from this. Anyway, it's about love, commitment, right? It's a choice. So point C in our notes, back to our notes, love is a volitional choice involving believing, trusting, commitment knowledge and devotion to the Father's plan. Therefore, it will be rewarded. Right? This is something that we can say is a part of our service to God, which requires a volitional uh, choice on us. Every day we have choices to make. And those choices don't impinge on our salvation. They impinge on whether or not we are walking in truth, whether we're walking in the light, as he is in the light. And if we do walk in the light, if we, just like it says, God will reward everyone for whatever good he has done, uh, whether whether he is slave or free. And when he says, whatever good we've done, meaning whatever good he is able to do through us, because we, of ourselves can't do any good. It's like he—he's divine. We are the branches, and the fruit is divine fruit that comes through us. It doesn't come by us. It comes through us. We're not the original person who planted the vineyard, and we're not the vine. We're the branch. So it's read that again. Love is a volitional choice involving believing, trusting, commitment, knowledge, and devotion to the father's plan. Therefore, it will be rewarded. 1 John 4:17 talks about we have confidence on the day of judgment because because we love we are like him in this world. Love means I better turn to it because I could screw it up here. 1 John 4 17, let's read it. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Well, what do it mean we are like Jesus? Jesus loved the Father's plan. He was obedient to the Father's plan. We don't have to say he was on board because we know Jesus was on board with the Father's plan. He had committed to it. Right? All the things that we just said, it was a volitional choice. Not my will, but your will be done. Right, Jesus believed, he trusted, he committed, he, Right, he understood what the Father's plan was requiring of him. And he stepped forward. And he was fully devoted to the Father's plan. And yes, he will be rewarded. Because of this, Philippians 2 talks about... God, Therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that was above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. And you, you know the rest. So, if you loved me, point number three, you will be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Let's look at some of this you will be glad glad knowing the father's plan we would be glad happy that is progression that that it is progressing that's the father's plan is moving forward of course <clears throat> how why would they be glad if they loved him because then they would say i agree with the father's plan and i want the father's plan to succeed i want it to move forward now that i know this is what's going to happen i can't wait and I said this before <clears throat> that if I was in the disciple's shoes I would be filled with expectation <clears throat> excuse me I would be filled with excitement because I would want the things that he's saying is going to happen to happen but Paul said it in another way these these verses may not be in your notes but in Romans 8.23, where he says, We who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await for our adoption to sonship. Well, that adoption, what Paul is saying, once we know, we have this expectation, it's a hope that just swells up within us, and it causes us to want desperately what God says is going to be true of us. So we want the Father's plan to succeed. We want it to progress. Right? Well, it says, Like it says in Titus, that we are looking and expectation for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? We want Christ to come. Right? So shall we ever or always be with the Lord. We know that that is the completion of all things when it comes to our calling from eternity past. We know the Father's plan, and we'd be glad, happy, that it is progressing. Loving Jesus here means we trust him and his teachings. Just like he said in John 14:1, You believe in God, believe also in me. And he's going to tell them things that they need to put their full trust in. To the point of willful. Ready obedience. Willing obedience. Not just I gotta do it for for God and country, for you know, but for for I gotta do it because I wanna do it. Right? I've heard the Father's plan. I agree with the Father's plan. I love the Father's plan. So it's it's not just willful, it's willing right? obedience. We want to do it. So let's look at this. John 14:31, we talked about this so much, and we'll get to it again when we cover it in a few short weeks. Um, so John 14:31 says it this way: "But he comes so that the world may learn. Now when it says that the world may learn, we, This is something on display. This love that Jesus has for the Father's plan is on display. For not just the disciples to see, but the world to see. That the world may learn that I love the Father. And how is that love expressed? How do we know what's in your heart, Jesus? How can we tell what's in your heart? Because I do Exactly what my Father has commanded me. That's it. And how will the world know that we love Christ? We could implant ourselves in this verse. How will the world know that we love Christ? It's because we do exactly what Christ has commanded us. That's it. That's how the world is going to know or understand that we come in the name of the father it's like or or Christ rather that Christ came in the name of the father we come in the name of Christ and this has to do with that same thing about mutual possession i am in them because i live you shall live also i'm in the father and the father is in me i will be in you and you Will be in me, and we will be in you, and on and on, right? This relationship that we've been talking about—it's what's happening here. Yeah, we. This understanding, the world must learn, right? And John fourteen thirty one. It's more than just what Jesus is doing, and you know, letting us know what love is. Him fulfilling the Father's purpose. It is not just saying, I'll do, I'm just going to do exactly what the Father has commanded me. He says, I love the Father. It means He's invested in this. His volition is part of the Father's plan. He, he agrees with this. And the world is going to see His motivation toward the Father. That's, it's visible. About him going to the cross. He's letting the world know that he loves the Father. And what do you mean, love the Father? Loves the Father's plan. And what, what, what would that mean? How would that be expressed? By exactly doing what the Father commanded him. And what the Father commanded him is not just some extraneous commands that the Father came up with on the fly, it is the plan from eternity past. And Jesus is a component, a very key component part. Of that plan. Now even though looking in the Old Testament. uh, You know Israel. And how they saw the Messiah to come. And talked about the golden age. And all the things that would happen when the Messiah comes. There was more. To understand. About Jesus is coming. And what it meant to the plan. the overall plan. Of the father. So. It is an important point to get. I'm hoping you get that. We're going to move on, though. Point B. I'm glad, right? You will be glad, so it says to the disciples. If you love me, you will be glad that I am going to the Father. I have to say I'm glad. (laughs) Because, just like it says in Ephesians 1, 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, that's Right after it says he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I, I know I missed it, but that's okay. You get the gist of it. And following that, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Be holy and blameless in his sight. I'm glad. In fact, often I pray, when I very often, I thank God for choosing me from before the world began, before time began. I thank him for, I don't, I don't deserve to be chosen. There's nothing I did. I know it was his sovereign choice to bring me here at this particular time. And I'm glad about that. So knowing the plan that Jesus has to go away to the Father and then the Spirit will come. That's the inauguration of the church age. That's where, where Paul can say in Ephesians 1 4, that he chose us in him before the creation of the world. That's the much more that Jesus said he had to tell us, more than we can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide us into all truth. Point C, going to the Father, right? If you, You'd be glad that I am going to the Father. So the timeline is mentioned here. Jesus is speaking through his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, session, to the sending uh, the Spirit of truth to us. Going to the Father is just not, well, I'm I'm, I'm here, I've arrived. (laughs) The fact that he's gone to the Father means he's going to send the Spirit. There's no, I mean, for him to mention, yeah, by the way, I'm just headed to the Father's house. Where are you going, Jesus? I'm headed to the Father's house. There's more to it than that. He's going there so he could send the Spirit. And once he sends the Spirit, He's going to be able to come to us. Like it says, I will, you will realize that I am in the Father. You are in me and I am in you. On that day, when the Spirit comes, on that day, they would realize that. And he says, I will come to you. That's what they would also realize on that day. When Christ gets to the Father's house and, he, and the Father is the one that sends the Spirit in Christ's name. That's the promise. And the Spirit is also the one that baptizes us into the body of Christ. It identifies us with the person. Such key things happen when he comes. So just going to the Father's house is not just, well, I'm headed there. You know, like we say today, text me when you get there. No, he's going to the Father's house, which is to say, I'm going to send the Spirit just like I promised. Okay, so it's, he's speaking, this is more than, it helps us understand what he's talking about and when he's talking about. Point D, let's move forward. The Father, okay, so you will be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I am. Okay, so I know a lot of people like this verse, like Jehovah's Witnesses, or also known as JWs. They like to say, "Oh, well, Jesus is not God." You know, you know, he says the Father is greater than he is, right? And so he's obviously not God. So they misunderstand the Bible, and I just want to make sure we don't get to this: the Father greater than I means Jesus is less than. That is not the point. So let's let's look at this. This last this thought. So the Father's great eye, this must be speaking of the Father's plan here because Jesus, and I'm going to quote from Philippians 2.6, who being in very nature, God, there it is. This is who Jesus is. He, he is, is essentially God. That's who he is. He did not. And how do we know that being in very nature, God, is that if that were not enough? For us to say that Jesus is God, the second phrase clobbers us with more information about it. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He could use this. He could consider that he was God and it could spoil his coming in the incarnation. Because he could say... That I have, I'm coming with the prerogatives of God. I have equality with God. That is something I could use to my own advantage. But you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to use the fact that I'm God here in my own, to my own advantage. So not only does Jesus have the very nature of God, he does not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And also we got John 1, 1 through 3, which says, In the beginning, the Word was. It didn't say in the beginning, the Word came to be. Or the Word began to exist. That would be the beginning of the Word. But it just says, in the beginning, the Word was. He was. It doesn't say He began at any point. He just was. And if you want to know well, what was the beginning of Christ, there is no beginning, God. If you want to have an assign uh, a beginning to God's eternality, you cannot. Now I will tell you that it is something we cannot understand, because we all had a beginning. The persons of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they don't have beginnings the exciting when we get to the eternal state just to probe and to understand these persons. But it is absolutely that Jesus, where it says in the beginning was the word, was the word, and the word was with God. He was with God. And the word essentially was God. The word was God. He didn't say the word became God the word took the place of God or did something godly the word was theos, God and that's John 1 and then it talks about there was not one thing made, verse 3 that he did not make not one thing he couldn't have made himself which just sounds awfully ridiculous but people have gone there because they deny what the scripture says he has equality with God It did not seem to have something that, okay, let's move on. Point E. In the plan, the Father made Christ the focal point of the plan. So this is it. So why did Christ, if we were to finish that out, I know it's not in our notes, but if we were to finish that out in Philippians, so that even though it seems like I'm leaving it hanging a little bit, so, yeah, so in Philippians 2, where it says, who being, verse 6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, that's what he did, he made himself nothing. How do you do that? How do you make yourself nothing? Well, by taking the very nature of a servant. He, he made himself nothing by taking human nature. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, what did he do? Humbled himself by becoming obedient. Obedient to what? To the Father's plan. That's what? Even death on the cross. That's what he did when he was on the battlefield. That's what he did to show that he loved the Father's plan and he was going to do exactly as the Father had commanded him. No ifs, ands, or buts. Exactly what the Father commanded him. So because of that, God highly exalted him. For using his volition, he was rewarded generously by God. It's not even close. In that other verse, he says, well, they said, what will I get? A hundredfold. Of, <laughs> you, mess, you mess with God, God will give you a hundredfold of what you gave up. So in this case, um, in Romans, well, let's look at all the verses here. We'll, we'll go quickly. John, I know our time is almost done. Wow, look at that. So, so John 16 and 15 says this, and, and this is the on the thought of, uh, in the plan, the Father made Christ the focal point of the plan. So John sixteen fifteen, how how does it said? All that Jesus says, all that belongs to the Father is mine. So this is the Son analogy, where He inherits everything from the Father. Well, just like we are adopted into this, where we now are identified with Christ, who is the adoptee, and now we are one with Him. So we are, like in on Wednesdays, we are studying. In Romans eight seventeen, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God. Right? That's what we are as children, heirs of God. We're not heirs of Christ. We're heirs of God. So that's important in the in the role that we have in the plan, right? That Jesus says, "All that belongs to the Father is mine." That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and what he will and and for me what he will make known to you so we are uh, get, getting this information and the information is given to us on the need to know basis we wouldn't have needed to know if we were in the Israel or some other place we're in the church so we need to know this so then there's romans eight thirty two let's look at this uh, romans eight thirty two and 39. I hope we have a little bit more time asking for your indulgence. 832 says he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So Christ is the focal point. right? He, he did not spare his own son. He gave him up for us all. So, and he's talking about us in this church age here. So how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? The all things means we're identified with Christ uh, in this new role. Well, Well, it says that in the previous verses for verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's us. And we are the ones who he graciously gives all things. It's important. Christ is the very focal point. We are, we are conformed to the image of the Son. He's the one that's invested all things. And we. the only reason why we get all things, all things are yours, is because you are in him. That's why. And then... Verse 39, let's look at this. This is important. Neither height, now you know I could start at verse 38. Uh, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now notice, it's the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It didn't say the love of God that is for you. It seems like he was talking about us. And then he switched to Christ. Because right? he's talking about trouble. Or What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, that's verse 35. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, how how does that work? I mean, because if the love of Christ (laughs) is the love for Christ particularly, how is that the love for us? It's because we are identified with the person of Christ. To speak of the love of Christ is to speak of the love for us in Christ. That's what it is. We are identified with the person, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness of sword or danger of sword. For, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Notice, loved us. But down here in verse 39, it says, what, what will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We're in Christ Jesus. And because we're in Christ Jesus, the love of God is over us. That's The love of God is talking about his plan. That's the plan that everything would be focused in Christ. And nothing can stop that plan from moving forward. Nothing some more instances, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he, free, he has freely given us. In the one He loves, the fact that He, we're in Christ now, we're like the one He loves now. All that that pertains to Christ pertains to us. I said we would be glad. Now let's continue to look at some of the ways we would be glad. So, and then verses nine and ten, this is everything is focused in Christ to be put in. Well, nine says. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Purpose means he planned all of this before time began in Christ. He planned it all. This this was the plan that God came up with. This is the reason for why he created all things. To be put into effect, verse 10, when the times have reached their fulfillment times reach their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. The focus of everything is the person of Christ. It wasn't just him going to the cross. That Christ knew. Christ knew beyond that. He had been teaching beyond that about the church age. He knew about the church age. And then 3 Ephesians 3 which we have been talking about 10 and 11 his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished and here it is again in Christ Jesus our Lord everything is around the person of Christ And then if we were to look at verse 18 of Ephesians 3, that we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And this is really the love that the Father has for Christ. And we can know this love that surpasses knowledge. We can know the height, the depth, the width, and the length Those are the dimensions of the Father's plan that are made known now through the mystery. And then there's Colossians 2, 2, and 3. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found. Where are they? In Christ. That's where it is. So I'll read it really quick. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. This is verse two, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely <laughs> it's just Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Second Corinthians five seventeen if anyone, if anybody, if any person <laughs> Is in Christ. They are a new creation. Old things are gone. The new has come. So hopefully you'll understand when he talks about it. You will be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. That's what this means. So point F, God finally gets to tell his story. That's his story that will be told. And I will continue next week. I know I'm way over, but the thought is hopefully conveyed. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this, uh, as we have been saying in the past, but for calling us to this place. Wherever we find ourselves in the battle, we are so grateful. It doesn't matter what position we're in, we're here. We thank you, Father, for privilege of being able to serve on the battlefield. We thank you for those who have come and have uh, given their time and energy, spiritual energy, to listening and growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray that we will continue to, to grow and that we will uh, be those witnesses that are in this world to be able to not only preach the gospel but to help others to come to the full knowledge of the truth. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
1: Amen.